Hi everybody, it's Mark Thurman again, and I'm doing another podcast on behalf of our friends at Amazon Web Services and the IoT team in support of the AWS Innovators series. I'm really pleased to have my new friend Talak on the phone, and we'll talk to him. We met at last week's uh, uh, New York event uh, where Talak was a, a speaker and, and actually had a lot of interesting comments. So welcome to uh, our, our little podcast, and why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning, Mark. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Tilak Mitra, and thanks, Mark, uh, for giving me this opportunity. Of course. Um, I um, am uh, in Accenture. Uh, I work in Accenture. I am in their products operating group, which, is, uh, which has a pretty uh, large portfolio of uh, sectors starting from industrial to consumer goods uh, to life sciences, and um, you have retail industry in that also, and transportation, travel and transportation. So it's a pretty large portfolio uh, falling under the products operating group. Within that operating group, uh, we have a practice called IndustryX.O that focuses on next generation uh, industrial manufacturing. And I, and I am the CTO, the Chief Technology Officer for the IndustryX.O practice, uh, which runs across all the industries within the products operating group. My focus is to uh, lead digital transformations for our customers, leveraging technology uh, in business-led transformations. So that's uh, what I do in this, uh, in this world of Accenture, helping our customers. Oh, perfect. And, and, you know, when we were talking last week, Accenture is an interesting company. Of course, it grew out of, a, a, out of an accounting firm and a consulting firm, uh, and, and the, the rebranding happened, I know, I know, many years ago or several years ago. And it, it appears that Accenture has a few sides of the house. So there's pure consulting, which I think is your end of it. I know there's a product focus with some other folks that I know there. In fact, we're going to have one of your colleagues present at our San Francisco event, Brian Murphy, and he'll be talking about what uh, uh, they do from a platform as a service standpoint, or CPaaS, I think is what the internal name is. And in particular, he's going to focus on some smart home uh, use cases. But um, I, I think you know what's interesting about about what you've been doing. So, and as you as you know, anyone who's listened to uh, any of these things or is familiar with my background. I come from more of an enterprise, industrial, and, and telco-centric world. So M2M, IoT, SCADA, those are, are the terms that uh, I'm very comfortable with. But industry X.O is, is sort of the new term, and it seems to almost have emerged from Europe. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but why don't, why don't we talk about, first of all, what's your perception, perception of what IoT is? And please you know, compare and contrast to industry X.O. Sure. Um, so uh, we talk about IoT, we talk about IIoT, we talk about Industry 4.0. So um, for me, uh, industrial IoT, uh, industrial Internet of Things, is what is enabling the infusion of intelligence into products and machines by leveraging connected technologies and platform business models to create highly efficient relationships between the products, machines, services, sites, as well as between the customers, suppliers, partners, and the workers. 
Mm-hmm. That's typically what IIoT is. Industry 4.0, on the other hand, is leveraging these technology enablers of the industrial Internet to gain operational efficiencies through things like value chain digitization. So if you think about connected operations, if you think about connected service supply chain, these things are what Industry 4.0 are focusing on around gaining operational efficiencies. So IIoT and Industry 4.0 are complementing, in my opinion, although they may have different scales and different horizons. Now, at Accenture, what we've done is we have brought together combined IIoT and Industry 4.0 into a single framework for digital transformations for our clients. And we give it a name, and we call it Industry X. Okay. Why is it X. and not 4.0, or, or uh, why, why do we call it X. Because here we are, we are convinced that this, uh, the technology advancements is going to take us from today, which is 4.0, to tomorrow it could be 5.0, to 6.0, and counting. And it is very going to, it's going to be very difficult to pin it down to a moment in time and call it industry and give it a number. So in anticipation of the transformations that it is going to lead us into, we call it Xdoto so that we can look forward, look ahead of the horizon, and look at how we can empower digital transformations with what is forthcoming. That's so is that, a, is that an Accenture term industry, Xdoto, or is it an industry term, a term, and is there a consortium around uh, rallying around this notion? Um, I would say that the term industry Xdoto has been something that has been spearheaded by Accenture. In fact, Accenture came up with a, a recent uh, publication, a book, which is called Industry Xdoto, which is where uh, Accenture is, uh, you know, providing the thought leadership. And as more and more we see that there is a consortium that is growing around it, although it is not like an industry standard term like we see in, you know, OPC and all that, but Mm -hmm. it is something that has been purely spearheaded by Accenture through our thought leadership in this space of manufacturing and industrial. So it also occurs to me that if I kind of, you know, if I listen to the various definitions, um, and tell me if I'm positioning this improperly, um, the term industrial IoT is more tactical and industry X.O is more strategic if I looked at it. So one is about devices and things and, you know, connecting them and doing stuff, and the other is, is a process. Is that, a, is that an accurate read of it? You are, you are very correct, and if that leads me into one more uh, way we could we define this and we look at this, is if you look at industry X.O, we call something as if you have to just can visualize um, above the line and below the line. Now, what does that mean? When we talk about below the line, we talk about the traditional operational efficiencies that we gain from Industry 4.0, which is a part of X.0. When we talk about above the line, that is where we are looking at things like hyper-personalization. We're looking at human-centered design. We're looking at industrial consumerism, outcome-based uh, economies. Those, when we go into that level of uh, you know, autonomous pool economies, outcome-based economy models, uh, through massive hyper-personalization and industrial consumerism, 
that's where the above the line aspects of industry extado is augmenting what traditional industry 4.0 is which we sort of call below the line just from a visual representation mm-hmm. purpose uh, as the uh, traditional industry 4.0 so industry extado is industry 4.0 plus those uh, things that are upcoming uh, around industrial consumerism and outcome based economies I, look, it makes a lot of sense, and I can imagine that you know, um, having you know, dealt with decision makers in large industrial and enterprise IoT or M to M engagements, you know, the the first two three slides that uh, are, are in your deck have a stack, have a definition of what you just said, etc. But at the end of the day, when your teams bring you in to meet with a very large customer, an industrial customer, I don't know, elevator, escalator, or industrial machine, or any of these very large global opportunities, what's, uh, what's the first question that the client will ask you? You know, Talak, thanks for coming in, you know, blah, 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 great slides, I get it, but tell me, how does this help my business? A very, very good point. I think uh, they, they always ask that question, right? And then um, the first thing we, we do is... Uh, we uh, sort of ground the conversations into, look, this is not just a, a technology play only. Uh, we, uh, the framework that we uh, have inculcated into our DNA and we are trying to help our clients with, also the focus of that framework is a very simple paradigm that business transformations, if you're looking for digital transformations of your business or mm-hmm. parts of your business, they are technology-enabled, but they are business-led. They have to be business-led. So the first uh, pivot that we anchor them, anchor our clients in, is that if you're just looking at this as a new shiny toy, of how do I use AR, VR technology as an example, then, yeah, you would get some marginal efficiencies and gains, but you have to look at it truly as a business transformation. That's a business-led transformation. So we, um, what we do is we look at the progression of what, uh, what typical in industry X.0, or we call it 4.0, or call it IIoT, you know, possibly oh, whatever, right. terms, right? The term is not that important, but what we do is we focus on a progression path. The progression path that follows from, starts with tangible connected products, to products with supporting services, to products with differentiating services on top of them, and ultimately leading to what we call as product itself as a service. So if you think of a shift in business thinking and business strategy, where the shift is from the products to outcomes and value delivered through digital services around physical products, that's the that's the shift in business strategy and thinking that we first try to help our customers with. Of course, there's a fifth part of the progression, which is goes into autonomous pool economy that is characterized by continuous demand sensing, resource optimization, waste reduction, powered by next generation products, platforms, services, and ecosystems. But where we try to ground our customers is, where are you in this progression from the, from the first four tangible products through the supporting services, differentiating services, to 
goal of product as a service. So if you have the shift in that business thinking and we leverage the value levers, so if you think about value levers, if you think about only connected, uh, tangible connected products, the value proposition there is essentially enhancing the product and spare part sales. Mm -hmm. If you look at products with supporting services, the focus of the value proposition there is the ability to develop highly customized things like maintenance plans for specific customer scenarios and essentially being able to increase the customer engagement. The third one, which we call as products with differentiated services, it starts opening channels for our clients for upselling more premium services with increased product performance. And when we look at product as a service model, it opens different, entirely different economic models um, like risk, uh, reward-based revenue, power by the hour, pay as you go. And essentially what it does for our customers, we move them into increasing their addressable customer base. Right? So this is the business uh, shift in business strategy and thinking that we um, help our customers with. Uh, to initially ground them into. Of course, it is then for, followed by technology. And from our vantage point, we look at uh, and, and on IIoT, IoT, uh, Industry X, it sort of is pivoting into n- around nine major technology areas um, around autonomous robots, horizontal vertical integration, talk about AR, VR, where we reimagined assisted maintenance and diagnostics. We talk about additive manufacturing, which we can leverage 3D printing for mass production of very small, small, small batches of customized products instead of mass production. We talk mm-hmm. about cloud as a commoditization of compute, which is where we, in Accenture, we leverage Amazon, the IoT platform, heavily with most of our clients where we have tremendous success. We talk about simulation, where the ability to completely digitally simulate the assembly lines and production lines. So that's like the digital twin notion that a lot of folks talk about. Exactly. And then not to mention um, big data analytics, which provides us the ability to make timely decisions at the point of business impact in the organizations. And lastly, around technology, we also uh, introduce cybersecurity, which ensures that the most critical assets, uh, which are your cyber physical systems, are protected from the cyber threat vectors. So what we do is, it's a, it's a, as you said, it's a technology enabled. We talked about those nine levels of technology, but it's a business-led transformations. And we help our clients to see the convergence of these business and technology trends that enable, among other efficiency gains, a potential shift to um, a framework where we can have produce tailor-made, highly customized products, but at the price of mass production, which moving sort of moving them into industrial consumerism through hyper-personalization, but at viable cost economics. So it's a it's a to to summarize, uh, it's a, it's a most of a, it's a play not just about technology, it's about a business strategy shift in business thinking, where. Uh, we leverage the framework itself to find opportunities to invest in changing your legacy systems, the legacy business systems, <laughs> try to extract the untrapped value from there. And what you, the savings you obtain from there 
you take a portion of the savings and then invest in rotating to the new. So the investments in the, in the legacy current systems is as important as going and rotating to the new. That's the kind of framework uh, that we lead our customers into thinking and then leveraging to start their journey on digital manufacturing and digital transformations. No, this is, this is uh, actually very insightful. I think I noted in my presentation a, a Fortune magazine quote from Fortune 500 C, CEOs who've indicated that I think 75, you know, overwhelmingly uh, large percentage of the, the company's CEOs consider themselves technology companies even though that they don't naturally stand out as a technology company. So kind of building on that, I, I've often imagined in, in some of my, my uh, presentations, I've, I've imagined the board call that must have occurred uh, in many of these companies where some board member read about IoT or read you know, uh, Harvard Business Review or something and says to the CEO, so what are we doing in IoT? And I'm, I'm imagining that the CEO puts the uh, speakerphone on mute, looks around the room at, at their staff and says, are, are, what's this IoT stuff? Are, are we going to be the leaders? They, everybody nods. The call comes off mute. CEO says to the board, yep, we're going to be the leader in IoT in our, in our space. And I can imagine the next calls to their friends at Accenture or, or other implementation partners to say, what's this IoT thing? Take me on this journey fast. So what happens when that call occurs, and is that an accurate sort of rendition? Those calls does occur, right? So <laughs> the scale, <laughs> um, so you hit the nail right on the head. Those kind of calls are very, very you know, representative of the things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so uh, these calls do, do happen when there are two different uh, kind of, um, you know, viewpoints. One is, I want to start fast. I want to start with the technology. Uh, and that's one side of the story. The other are, well, I do not want to use a shiny toy. I want to look at this as a much more strategic business initiative, right? So we get both types of uh, leads into, into, talk, into calls when calls comes from the IT directors, plant managers, and those kind of people. Uh, they are more into, I need to get something done now. The call comes from the CEO or the CDO. Then it is more of, yeah, I want to get something done now, but under the framework of a strategic initiative that I want to, I want to uh, get into, invest in. So we get both. We sometimes we have to lead uh, the client through a strategy engagement, through strategy mm -hmm. first. So you have a workshop. You sit down and say, "All right, you know what? You you, you try and do a, a brain dump from them. You know what do you have? What are you trying to work on? What's the low hanging fruit? I can imagine that's that's early, Absolutely. but go on. And, and then we get to something like a business strategy for them, with ROI and business metrics, and what does this digital transformation do for them? Could do for them in the near term uh, and the long term." And then we start looking at opportunities of how do you sort of ramp up or initiate or prime the pump with certain specific use cases, so to speak, right? And then in that front, what we do um, is uh, we look at 
<clears throat> this that we we use the external framework typically which is which gives a very simple but powerful mechanism of using very two uh, simple broad categories it's either operational efficiencies or revenue generation revenue uptake to extract the business value from these kind of initiatives now what we do is typically after we create the business case then when we're looking at when the how the rubber hits the road and how do we get started we look at we take those two broad categories and we use a multi-layer value tree kind of a model to iteratively progressively ultimately arrive at some cost cases that are compelling enough for our clients to start investing in transforming their core business system systems and as i said to lock we have to demonstrate how it can unlock the trapped value and the savings of which then it can be going back into investing in the new now some of the use cases that we have seen that we help our clients arrive at and assert initially start falling into more often than not in the areas of OE which is overall right. equipment effectiveness right and which is sort of characterized by the indicators of availability productivity and quality so we keep it simple we we look at the and we've seen more often than not that these three indicators of availability productivity quality in both the manufacturing process as well as the quality of the product is where they are pivoting around and specifically if i have to go one level deeper the use cases that we uh start initially working on and implementing for our clients are around asset utilization asset downtime asset uptime mm-hmm. predicting asset critical failures uh you know predicting production throughput and yield think uh, total maintenance costs operator related productivity productivity losses bringing that in the front supply chain visibility and last but not the least uh early warning quality early warning on both the process as well as product quality parameters and what we have seen in when we are implementing these in clients the savings when the clients implement this across a factory network not just in a single factory right which is where we start getting the efficiency gains and savings but when we add these up across multiple factory in the network the savings are anywhere between tens to hundreds of millions of dollars so that's where we are we and the technologies that we use i'm not going to go into technologies because in certain cases it could be ar vr technology in certain cases it could be standard machine learning algorithms that on analytics that on predictive asset failure so instead of looking into technology we look at those use cases which can be a conglomerate of multiple technologies to drive the value that's how we seeing the clients getting started and in often certain cases certain clients come to us and tell show me this working in three factories don't give me a business case and a business strategy right just like that that's that's the the uh universe of just make it work and then we'll come back and 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 take a look at it yeah just yeah. fix so, fix what's broken exactly so we we get both sides of the spectrum some are know that this is an imperative that is coming down from the board so we need to create a very uh, a three year five year horizon of a business strategy and then use that business strategy as a construct under which you have these programs the other side the flip side of it is you show me how this works in these three areas of immediate pain points and then i can use the outcomes of that to extrapolate that into a compelling case across the enterprise so we see both sides of the spectrum and we are geared to helping them in both 
Do you do you see um, just kind of across the uh, the various uh, customers and, and partners? Do you see um, well, the the point I'm I'm, dr- I'm going to drive to is this is really hard, and uh, you need implementation partners because of the the varieties of technologies and network capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. But do you see uh, clients or customers that are capable of doing this? pretty much on their own? Is there a sort of a self-serve model uh, that's valid in you know, Fortune 1000, uh, Global 1000 companies? Or is this really require uh, you know, walking down a path with an Accenture or any other integrator and any other you know, consortium of partners? How, how do you see it? Well, um and I know you're prejudiced because you work for Accenture. But, yeah. <laughs> not that, but I'm just giving a very neutral view here, not just an Accenture view. Um, but uh, what we've seen is there are clients. There are many clients, customers, or organizations. Let's not say clients first, but organizations who start on their journey on their own. And some of them have been successful in those journeys of doing something um, on their own and being successful. Where we've seen that organizations that are tra- traditionally maybe manufacturing focused right there um, when they try to do this at scale that is when there are they face some challenges but scale is not just about uh, you can have a few data scientists working on an analytics model and that analytics model can drive business value perfect and it works you show that proof of technology proof of concept driving value if you were to do that across 10 factories or a network of 100 factories you need a different type of an infrastructure not just about technology not just on technology but skills and resources also so we have not seen yet that organizations that are traditionally product manufacturing companies are making that or have, have already made that complete turnaround and shift into their skills that are completely you know, aligned with this kind of a software house rather than mm. being a traditional manufacturing house. So it's a skill equation as well as a technology infrastructure equation. You can commoditize the technology to a certain extent, but uh, when you start having to think about commoditizing your skills and resources to do this at scale, that is when uh, companies like Accenture, which are tailor-made for that, uh, for to, to help our clients at scale, they are called upon. So more often than not, we've seen people have started, companies have started in the journey, but when they try to do it at scale or they want to do a, a business case, uh, that's when we get called upon more often than not. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Again, my, my core thesis is that it's very difficult to do this. It's, it's a different bucket of skills than you would normally have within a, an industrial company or even a medical device manufacturing company. Uh, and uh, again, I contend that good partnerships bring products to market quicker and uh, you know you can scale up and and launch them globally, but you know we we have you know over, over the years I'm sure both seen companies that try and go it alone, um, and, and and it seems to me that you know when they hit hit their first hiccup, that's when they raise their hand and ask for help. 
Absolutely, and I'll, I'll also give you one more uh, data point. Uh, there are companies who have tried to do it on, do it on their own uh, and have been successful also, but the traditional times that it takes from, say, a concept to going through product innovation design up to a field execution and implementation, traditionally, uh, I'm not naming the client, but uh, uh, traditionally we, there was a client that we worked with and been very successful with, uh, their, their traditional timeline from concept to field it was around two years. Mm. We came in, um, we you leveraged a framework called a digital services factory. But essentially, it's not it, instead of going, rather than going into the framework itself, the outcome when we leveraged this framework to come up to empower them with a the digital transformation that they were uh, embarking on, their tradi- the timeline of two years came down to eight months. Wow. So when you talk about scale, it is scale as well as accelerated time to value. And, uh, you know, companies like Accenture, uh, who are good at this because this is our, you know, this is our bread and butter, we have created these, I would not say cookie cutter, but I would say these frameworks that are industrialized enough, for a lack of a better term, to, to, to look at this and how do we do this at scale and in an accelerated fashion. So we use those two simple vectors to help our clients really, really get the power done, not in the future, but now. So as a result, you must have experts inside Accenture that are keeping an eye on what's going on in the vendor landscape, in the telco connectivity landscape, in the you know, uh, modules and, you know, all, all the various pieces and parts that make up this ecosystem, and you must have experts that, that you draw on. Are they uh, – how, how do you kind of collate all of that information internally? Because, you know, there's got to be just a ton of people looking at a ton of stuff. It's challenging, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes I get baffled on how do we actually pull this off, right? So, <laughs> uh, at Accenture, if you think about Accenture, we have uh, we have Accenture Consulting, which is which is where I belong, which is where the industries are. Then we have Accenture's Digital, which is where all the digital technologies uh, and the and the capabilities that are not just digital technologies internally about the ecosystem partners that are bringing in digital technologies and value reside there as well as skills. I'm just taking the skill equation out for a moment, but the focus there is digital technologies. Then we have Accenture Technology, which is where all, when we do look at delivery, right, we are actually have to deliver a $10 million project where we need skills in-house, you know, um, as well as offshore, outshore, nearshore, all that program management. We have Accenture Technology where our enterprise architects, the key technology, the deep technology people who can you know, rip apart a robot and start looking into that to do what's happening in a, under a chipset. Those kind of people reside in Accenture Technology. And then we have Accenture Strategy, which we just alluded to, which is essentially around level, helping clients with business strategies around very massive, complex transformations and M&As and things like that. And then we have internally Accenture operations. If you look at these five basic big pillars of Accenture, we, when, we, when we go to a client, uh, when we look at a client and the client opportunity or the client pain points, we know, uh, how do we know? You know, we've known that because of the kind of work we do together between all these five units. We know who to tap from 
how to create that virtual team where the right skills are, 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 are required and we tap upon that. We, on top of that, we also have uh, our ecosystem partners. For every, every uh, industrial sectors like these products, like resources, uh, like high-tech CMT, we have digital ecosystem partners, global ecosystem partner leads whose job primarily is to establish these alliances with the vendors and the ecosystem partners who primarily bring in technology that uh, we, we, it's supplementing and complementing our technology uh, products and landscapes and bring that entire vertical integration into the picture. For example, we work with Siemens, we work with uh, PTC ThingWorks, we work with, uh, you name it, we work with right. uh, where the focus, where the real uh, you know, niche capabilities are. We bring them in and bring solutions. So we call ourselves technology agnostic uh, because uh, unlike IBM, we do not have like a, a full vertically integrated IBM everything Watson as an example, right? right? So here we focus on where we have technologies that are market leaders, and we also recognize there are market leaders in, uh, in, in other, other market leaders also. We bring them together to create a vertically integrated solutions and take them to clients. So that's how this uh, maze works. But I'll tell you, it works. Yeah. <laughs> it no, works it's a, well. it, it, it must be. You guys are doing, that you guys true. are the ones that, uh, uh, you know, everybody kind of runs into, and you've, not only your competitors, but, you know, other folks in the ecosystem. I, I'd say the third comment is, you know, Accenture's already in here. So, um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's, it's the observation. Now, I, I, I note that I'm not trying to uh, talk about any competitors or competitor competitive info. You mentioned uh, IBM Watson in um, in my work at MIT's uh, Connected Things Group last year. Actually, I interviewed their one of their CTOs, Mac Devine, and he talked about um, their acquisition at that time of the Weather Company and bringing in you know sort of uh, data feeds as an internal uh, internally leveraged thing. The the question is, does Accenture acquire things like that? Do you have Things that you guys bring in that you know, I don't know if there's an analog to, you know, weather data, but um, is that something that that you guys would do as well? Well, we do massive, massive acquisitions. You know, the Mac, uh, the acquisition uh, landscape of Accenture is 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 massive. You know, I think the uh, what I have seen in Accenture is that we go after niche players in the industry. You cannot go after massive, big, multi-billion dollar acquisitions because an acquisition then brings along with it a lot of work, right, to make them as a part of the system. Oh, yeah, and integrate, and it's people, and yeah. it's yeah, so, a lot uh, over it. an example, we recently, in the last couple of months, I think, acquired a, a company called Macivision. Macivision, if you go to... Um, uh, you know, a Mercedes-Benz website or a BMW website, yeah, you know, what do you do? You sort of try to uh, create your own personalized cars, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you say, okay, I need this is the door, this is the interior, blah, blah, I blah. I want blue. I want blue and all that, like the consumerism, the hyper-personalization as you talk about. Macivision is a company that is the content behind creating all those uh, you know, innovative uh, software-defined products, for the lack of a better term, 
that they are the content provider they are the media content provider behind most of the the world's top um you know advertising that you see how do mm. they all bring this content together into creating that hyper personalized experience so massive producer of content and content enricher uh, and we we looked at them and we we figured out that if they if this is how content can be brought in with the kind of innovation and expertise that macivision brings to the table there is an there is tremendous opportunity for us to leverage that in, in inherent capability of content syndication and leverage that as a part of our uh, our of our of our capabilities around innovation around design thinking around human centered design you know when we look at those areas of and this is a areas of beyond above beyond the line or above the line we talked about in industry extado right we look at human centered design hyper personalization that's where we looked at these guys could be a very very niche player for us and wow. that's when we went there we we worked with them they're not a huge company right but you know but we we look at them as something that can give us that edge well, but at the same time not give that bring that onus or overburden of a huge uh, acquisition the merger into culture and everything technology and everything else so we look at this niche players in the industry and look at working with them acquiring them or alliancing with them uh, to just get that edge Uh, in the solutions that we provide so that's a uh, lot of the philosophy that we use uh, here uh, at Accenture i i think it makes perfect sense and you guys are um you know you're breaking the mold of what i think of as a traditional systems integrator uh by you know doing this sort of uh acquisitions and having digital platforms as part of your your strategy but speaking of innovation and i know we're we're I want to make sure that uh we you know draw to a reasonable close today so that uh, our listeners can can uh consume all of this. Um you, when we met last week I think you mentioned that you were opening an an innovation center in Detroit which is my hometown as it turns out. Uh I'd like to know more about you know what it is. Are you only focused on car companies and and the telematics business and how do you leverage that? Yep uh so uh we uh you're right so we opened a center in Detroit it's actually in Livonia which oh, is like Livonia is lovely this time of year <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's beautiful uh so we opened that in Livonia um well we call Detroit is the metropolitan airport yeah. to get into that's why we say it's Detroit but yeah the IIoT innovation center is opened in Livonia uh, in the Detroit area and the center is not uh we did not have you know build this center in in Detroit downtown in the 25th floor of a high rise the center is actually in a huge warehouse setting it's a factory floor setting where um uh there are r- real world you can actually go and touch and feel and play around reconfigure um the real world demonstrations of how digital technologies can be used or technology can be used to bring uh, to empower digital transformations in primarily three areas in uh, in manufacturing one is product innovation and design 
The second one is manufacturing operations, real-time mm-hmm. manufacturing operations. And the third one is aftermarket product sales and support. So if you look at the, we, we do not focus on a single technology. We have technologies from every, from a plethora of diverse technologies. But the focus here is how, how can we leverage technologies in real-world demonstrations. We have like 15 pods that, that specific, look at specific use cases. And uh, we demonstrate how these use cases have been brought to life with, with digital technologies in these three major areas. We bring our clients in. We let them walk through, experience them, each one of these technologies or each one of these use cases in each one of the pod. I've seen people and clients spending a couple of hours in one pod because they get so in- intimately involved and interested, they get down into the weeds of them. But essentially, right. we do that walkthrough and then what that does is it, we get the creative juices flowing for them and what really is the art of the possible, taking them out of PowerPoint into the factory floor setting where they can get their hands dirty and see how it really works, in the, how it could work in their setting. And in the same innovation center, we also have a design thinking workshop where we, after this entire thing is done and we give them nice coffee and everything else, <laughs> uh, we take them into the design thinking workshops where what they bring in with them, an embodiment of is the art of the possible, what can be done. And then there we run workshops where they contextualize what their, their business pain points or business um, you know, things that they want to do for their organization. We contextualize that with what they have seen, what is the art of the possible, what is real. And what, is, what comes out of that is truly, truly transformative for their businesses. And that gets them a very, very prescriptive mechanism of how to get started in their digital transformation journey. So that's the power of show, let them look at it, touch and feel it, experience it, and then contextualize that for the problems that they may bring into or they may think of new problems or new ways of how those technologies could be used to solve their business problems. So what's coming out of that are truly transformative to our clients. So... That's it's a cool. fantastic setting. It's a fantastic setting. Well, I, I hope to, I hope to see it. I, I uh, I'd much rather play with things and sit in the conference room and look at powerpoints. Absolutely, Mark. <laughs> anytime, anytime. I'd be more than happy to, uh, to you know, to invite you. And if you Thank have you. any other clients you want to bring in, you know, we're more than welcome. We're always oh, ready that, for that. It's all. It's open for business. It's open. Yeah. For so <laughs> I guess you know, for the folks listening. Um, you know, contact your Accenture client account lead. Um, again, this is not an Accenture commercial, but um, they can contact me and I can contact you. But, um, you know, wanted to give folks some reference to that. So I, I want to close with, since you're active in the space, I want to close with, you know, just sort of what are the trends that you see both technology and business-wise in the industrial IoT world and, and um, you know, also what things don't you want to see happen? You know, I, I always contend, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer, but I always contend that some things don't need to be connected and measured and monitored. So, you know, I always believe in, in pragmatic uses of, of this capability. 
especially in the consumer IoT world, which is outside of the scope of this conversation. But um, the you know, trends, technology trends, and sort of uh, things that you don't want to see. That's the question. I think I think from a technology trend perspective, I I, uh, you know, I have a very I cannot think to uh, in a very complex way. I try to keep it simple. And uh, in my in my world and the kind of trends I see, it's not more about trends for me. It's more about which trends have a tendency to settle down to a point of stabilization that we can start leveraging to in real world scenarios, right? So there is a part of there are certain trends that are still in the lab, right? There are certain trends that have been sort of gone through its ups and downs to the point of stabilizing that we can really, really leverage the aggregate of to lever to, to empower these kind of transformations. So I, as I uh, pointed out, I, I still go back to this nine major trend levers. One is definitely the, autonomy, uh, the autonomous robots that we talked about, which is enabling right. truly robots to collaborate alongside humans in transforming the business processes, right? That's a reality, and that's where, uh, that's one place that uh, we, we have started leveraging in, into, into our transformation journeys that we do for clients. We definitely use the horizontal vertical integration. Today, we are not only integrating within the enterprise walls, but based on the API economy, which has stabilized to a point that it is uh, that security and everything else is sort of taken care of, the API economy is enabling us to also integrate with uh, our ecosystem, our customers' ecosystem partners and suppliers. But what essentially the focus there is to get a complete 360-degree integrated view of your most critical business entities and elements of your business process. So yes, the, the early warning system use case yes. you talked about earlier. Yes, that's true. We are definitely leveraging AR, VR technologies, which has stabilized into using that for assisted maintenance and assisted diagnostics. Um, so that's uh, a reality, and it's stabilized enough that we see that trend to be a reality, and we're leveraging that. We are 3D printing is out, definitely there, but what we are doing with that, we are in- enabling small batch of customized products. That's mm. what we're leveraging 3D t- printing for. It is being used for other areas, but still they are, in my opinion, in the lab environment where it is real. It's actually it's le- helping us to s- uh, prototype small batches of highly customized products. We're leveraging the cloud, which has been there for some time now. But what we're doing there is with commoditizing the compute. And through multi-tenancy, which is how we are leveraging it, that is where we are gaining the cost economics for our clients. So that's that. And digital twins we talked about, uh, not, never n- never underestimate big data and analytics, right? So that mm-hmm. is what is the lowest hanging fruit, if you ask me, um, where we're enabling the focus there is leveraging big data analytics, machine learning primarily, predictive analytics, predictive asset optimization, to enable more targeted and timely decision-making across the organizations where the business, the point of business impact. And cybersecurity is something that we even now have a practice around cybersecurity because it has grown in need as well as it has grown in um, the, the capabilities that we have to safeguard our cyber-physical systems from the cyber threat vectors. The other important thing is about data, and with the GDPR, which is uh, essentially giving us an entitlement, a right for you know 
for explanation, data privacy, uh, so the security is not just on cyber security of our cyber physical systems. Uh, there is a distinct and a very you know, a maniacal focus on data privacy and data security. So these are the trends based on global market forces as well as technology stabilizations that we are seeing are the ones that we are, I see are being heavily used in conjunction. And the other thing I, I tend to feel is that um, you know, AI, which is, which is the, the most used buzzword today, everybody's using that. My kid talks about AI. It's, it's troubling, me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he tells me, he's eight-year-old, he tells me that, uh, Dad, don't do AI because it may create some uh, bad robots that are not going to be good for humans. I said, okay. Oh, so anyways, I, I think AI, and we all talk about AI today, we have merged even machine learning into under the hood of AI. But there is still a space for traditional machine learning, which you can start with um, and get a real, real value out of that before you have to go into the real essence of artificial intelligence. So, you know, those are the things that are the trends that are reality now, and we, we are leveraging them. And I encourage all of us to consider to, you know, to take the aggregate of those technologies and not just one and solve business-specific problems for our clients. Well, we can leave it right there. That's perfect. Um, Talak, I want to thank you very much um, for, for your time today and for, for uh, uh, your presentation, of course, last week. Um, uh, again, this, we, you know, we've been brought together by our friends at uh, AWS IoT, so I want to thank them. Um, you know, my name's Mark Thurman. Uh, I'm doing this on behalf of my company, .iot, and um, uh, reach out, follow Talak, follow me on on Twitter or any other social media platforms that you'd like. But Talak, I want to thank you again. And thank you, Mark, for thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I'll echo, echo your sentiment that uh, AWS, our partner, uh, brought us together. And uh, I sincerely thank them for the very nice, successful event we had last week in New York City uh, in their AWS loft. And then it opens up doors for all these kind of collaborations, Mark, uh, between you and I, between our clients and anybody else who is interested in this space. No, it's perfect. Thanks again. Uh, and thanks uh, to our listeners for listening. Thank you.